Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. At this time, we will bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for what we see you doing here at Villas Grace Church. We want to continue our prayer that we ask you to use us within our Villas community first and foremost. And then use us as we move beyond this community specifically and out into the far reaches of the Fort Myers area. Our request is simple. We just want to be able to share the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. We begin a new sermon series this morning. We did a pretty good job of running the marathon through the epistle of 1 John. We are done. New sermon series. This will be a seven-week series, and this series is all about what you see right now on your screen. Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus in the Old Testament, that is the title of the sermon series. The overarching idea of what we're going to see these next seven weeks is this. It's a series about when Jesus showed up before his birth. Now, I know I get it. To some of you, you think that's a little crazy, don't you? Wait, what do you mean Jesus showed up before his birth, before he was actually born? Well, we can't forget we're logical people, aren't we? And logical people, even when they make logical decisions, aren't so logical. See, God is not bound by time and space. He doesn't have to be logical. He can be logical if he wants to, but he doesn't have to be. He's not finite like us. He's infinite, so he can do something like this. And there's quite a few other things that God can do as well. Have you guys ever heard somebody ask the question, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Have you ever pondered that question yourself? Does it? You're telling me yes? So if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, you're telling me that it definitely makes a sound. You guys are a confident bunch, aren't you? Now, what if I told you, though, that there are people who would say that that is not true? If a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to hear it, guess what? It doesn't make a sound. You know what their argument is? It's this. They say, if no one's around to hear it, it therefore does not make a sound because sound is only contingent upon somebody being there to hear it. You know what I would say? Somebody who subscribes to that theory, doesn't know Jesus. They don't know God, do they? See, we understand that God is omnipresent, isn't he? And when we say God is omnipresent, what we're really saying is this. We're saying that everything happens before him. Everything happens before him, whether it's something that he sees physically or something that he hears. It's all happening before him. So if that's the case, if the tree falls and no one's around to hear it, 
That's an oxymoron because God is always around to hear it, isn't he? Can I get an amen on that in his creation? Church, does God hear us? Does God hear us when we call out to him? Does he hear us when we're in distress? The answer is always yes. He always hears us. And how do we know that this is true? How do we know that this is true? You can say, well, the Bible told me so. You can give me the Sunday school answer. The Bible told me so. And that is true because the Bible did tell us so. But we know that this is true because Jesus proved as much. He proved to us that God hears us. And he did so by showing up before his birth. The title for our sermon this morning is this, The Angel and the Slave. The Angel and the Slave. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16. So if you want to join me in your Bible, please feel free to do so. If not, that's quite all right. We are going to have each of these verses up on the screen for you this morning. And today we're going to see something. We're going to see... The beginning of our new sermon series of Jesus showing up before his birth. But we're also going to start with a story about an Egyptian slave woman who had a real life encounter with Jesus before his birth. So please join me in Genesis chapter 16 verses 1 through 16 as I read. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. 
and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing, for she said, Truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Ber-Laha-Ro. It is, lies between Kadesh and Berid. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Amen. When we look at these verses this morning, we need to put them into one sentence. And that one sentence is this. God hears all affliction and therefore reacts through the grace of Jesus to spearhead a better future. God hears all affliction and therefore reacts through the grace of Jesus to spearhead a better future. When we make this statement, we must ask this question. What is God revealing to us about his grace given to Hagar? What is God revealing to us about his grace given to Hagar? that he positively responds despite negative situations. He positively responds despite negative situations. Have you ever completely just lost all respect that you had for somebody? That R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Have you ever just lost all respect for somebody that you put on a pedestal, somebody who you had great admiration for, when that happens, it's quite the 180, isn't it? It's a rather disappointing experience, but this is exactly what happened between Sarah and Hagar. See, Sarah went from being the matriarch of the family, and what we mean by the word matriarch is this. She was like the head lady. She was like the queen of the tribe. She went from the one in charge to being despised, being almost condemned, but put into contempt by her Egyptian slave girl. Why? Why did Hagar look at Sarah like this? Well, it's quite simple. Sarah could not conceive, but Hagar could. And we see this in verses 4 through 6. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. See, unlike Sarah, Hagar conceived rather quickly. Abram, as it says, went into Hagar. Now, we don't know if that means it happened multiple times or just one time, but he went into Hagar, and then she conceived. That was the very next thing that we knew that happened. See, Sarah had spent all these years with Abram. She had spent at least 10 years in Canaan with Abram, and she had never 
conceived. In the culture back then, if you were a woman and you were unable to bear children, if you were unable to conceive a child, you were looked upon as a woman with defect. In fact, they would go as far as saying that you looked like a woman who had been despised by God himself. Here's the matriarch who should have all the R-S-E-P-E... I can't even do it. Oh my goodness, I just tried, didn't it? The R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. At least I could do that part. She should have all the respect... All the respect. And now she's being looked upon with contempt by her Egyptian slave girl. But instead, what did the Egyptian slave do? She flees. Why? Because she had looked with contempt on her mistress. So what does Sarah go and do? After Hagar looks at Sarah with contempt. In my opinion, Sarah did what any logical thinking wife would have done. Blame her husband. And you know I got a little bit of experience with that. Hope has a policy in our home. Even when she's wrong, she's right. But that's exactly what we see Sarah do. She blamed Abram. She says, may the wrong done to me be on you. Remind me. Whose idea was this in the first place? It was Sarah's idea. How many husbands can relate to this? You get blamed for your wife's idea. But there's a reason why she's doing this. Why would Sarah even offer up this Egyptian slave in the first place? We need to ask this question first. Why? There's really two reasons. There's two basic reasons why she would offer up her husband to the, her Egyptian slave. One is this. It was the cultural custom of the day if you couldn't conceive on your own. And if you had a slave, you would have your husband take the slave as a wife to bear a child for you. That was one reason. But see... Sarah remembered that God had made a promise to Abram in the previous chapter, in chapter 15 of Genesis. Does anybody know what this promise was? God had promised to Abraham to make him a great nation, which would start through the birth of a son, which would still go through Sarah because she owned Hagar. So if Hagar had the son, Sarah being the matriarch, that great nation would still go through her and Abram. Unfortunately for Sarah, she never took into account the possibility of Hagar's contempt. Look at the last sentence of verse 5. And that's where we see Hagar almost blaming Abram. She says, may the Lord judge between you and me. Was Abram, a willing participant in Sarah's scheme? Yes. So she wasn't really blaming Abram. She went straight to God because she knew the real authority lies with him, not with her husband Abram. 
Not the one who had the promise from God. The real authority lies with God. And therefore, Abram had no choice but to promote Sarah's authority over Hagar. Because what happens at the end? In verse 6, she flees. And that's the reason why it says at the beginning, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. So what does Sarah do? She deals harshly with her. And this caused Hagar to flee. Hagar experienced affliction. Could you imagine being a slave and your master says, go be with my husband and you obey them to the T, but then it causes you to have contempt on your master and then you get dealt with harshly? What's her natural reaction within that conflict? To run. Can any of us relate to that? Well, let's think about that as we think about our main point for these verses this morning. God hears all affliction and therefore reacts through the grace of Jesus to spearhead a better future. Think about that, a better future through Jesus despite conflict and affliction. We're asking this question. What is God revealing to us about his grace given to Hagar? And we're going to get into his grace given to Hagar really quickly here. He reveals to us that he positively responds despite negative situations. Again, how about that tree that falls in the forest? Does it make a sound if no one's around to hear it? Church, we know, we have confidence that God always hears. He hears our pain. He always sees and hears our suffering. And how do we know that this is true? How do we know without a shadow of a doubt that we can make these bold claims and we have something to back them up with? Because we can say Genesis chapter 16 verses 9 through 12. Let's go. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. The angel of the Lord appears to Hagar. How do we know that this isn't some ordinary angel? See, this particular angel, when you read these four verses, he's speaking like he is God himself. He's speaking in the first person. God took on human form to speak to Hagar. So, do you notice anything familiar from verse 10? God's promise to Hagar is similar to his promise to Abram. Very similar. See, the offspring of Hagar, Ishmael, who he promised her, the offspring will be uncountable. The angel of the Lord then proceeds to tell her what to name him. Just that, Ishmael. And what does Ishmael mean? Ishmael means God hears. Are we not seeing a consistent theme here? Are we not picking up what the Lord is revealing to us about him here in Genesis 16? 
So, does that tree make a sound when it falls? You better believe it does. Because God hears. However, this prophecy about Hagar's son isn't quite good news, is it? God's promise to Hagar is much similar to Abram's, but it's not quite good news. And we know that from verse 12 where it says, He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's against him. He shall dwell over and against all his kinsmen. Basically, what verse 12 is telling us is this. Ishmael was not going to be a people person. In fact, he will be in constant hostility. Does anybody know what people group derives from Ishmael? A people group that's alive and well today that can directly link their heritage back to him? Anybody know? Arabs. Arabs. See, the son of Abram eventually had a son with Sarah. Abram and Sarah eventually did have a son, and we're going to get to that as well. Not today. But the son that they had was Isaac, and we will deal with him within this series. Anybody know the descendants of Isaac? What people group? Yell it out loud. The Jews. To this day, both Jews and Arabs are at odds, aren't they? So the truth that we're seeing here is true. Now, not all Jews and not all Arabs are at odds, but the majority are. What we're seeing here in Scripture way back then is still true today. Verse 12 of what the Lord tells us in chapter 16 of Genesis is still true today. Church, the hostility foretold of Ismail is still true to this day. So what we say to ourselves when we read something like this is this. We say that no matter what's going on in this world, and let's face it, let's face it, what's going on in this world, the pattern that we see of this world isn't so pleasant now, is it? No matter what we see going on in this world, we can be encouraged by the great truth within these verses. There's positivity to be found within these verses despite what we see today and what God predicted would happen today and on into the future because of what was going on back then. So when did the angel of the Lord show up to Hagar? When? When did he show up to Hagar? This is great comfort to us in the midst of her pain and suffering. Why? Because he hears everything. He hears everything. Church, he hears your pain. He hears your suffering. And through his grace, he responds through Jesus to spearhead a better future, which is why we're saying today, God hears all affliction and therefore reacts through the grace of Jesus to spearhead a better future. That's why we're asking this question. What is God revealing to us about his grace given to Hagar? He's revealing that he positively responds despite negative situations. 
Anybody ever wonder what you call that guy that guides the planes in with the orange batons? See, federal aviation regulations mandates that you must have three people bring a big jet airliner into the gate. You have one marshaler, that's who you see on the screen. He's the one with the orange batons. And you must have two wing walkers. One air marshaler, two wing walkers. Just to guide that huge jet airliner to a six foot wide ramp. Why does he have those orange batons? Why would the marshaler have the orange batons giving the signals? Because he needs to have the pilot's undivided attention. They have to be laser focused. They have passengers in which they are caring for. They have a plane that's owned by an airline company that is expensive that they can't damage. So they need to be laser focused into the air marshaler as he guides them to the ramp. Church, do you know that we have it so much better than that type of guidance? God doesn't need an air marshaler or a marshaler. I don't think it's called an air marshaler. I keep saying that. It's actually a marshaler. He doesn't need a marshaler. We don't need to get out bright orange colored batons to get God's attention so he would be laser focused on us, so we would have his undivided attention. Do you know why? We don't need to do anything special to get God's attention. God will always, God will always graciously give us his undivided attention, especially in the midst of our pain and suffering. The one who made our main idea possible today is the evidence of this being true. And especially as we see God giving his undivided, gracious attention to Hagar. So, let's see it here in these final verses. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. Think about that. She has this encounter with Christ and she says, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Bir Laharoh. It lies between Kadish and Birid. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. What does Hagar say about the angel of the Lord? Again, amazing she says, you are a God of seeing. The all-knowing God of the universe needed no marshaler to see Hagar's affliction. She wasn't even trying to get God's attention. She just received it. Is that not great encouragement for us? That we see Christ doing this in Scripture? Also, do you notice how Hagar recognized the angel of the Lord as God? She goes on to say, truly I have seen him who looks after me. I have seen him who takes care of me, who's looking after me. Do you notice what seemingly vanished from Hagar, though? When we just look at verse 13, there's something that's completely gone out the door. 
If you ask me when I read verse 13, I say to myself, where did this pain, suffering, and all this affliction go? Because now it's almost like she's astonished. Think about that. She recognizes who God is and how he looks after her, how he sees her in the midst of her pain and suffering, how he hears her. And she's astonished, she's blown away, and now she's not seemingly so afflicted anymore now, is she? So, so as Mike comes up here, I, I want to get real with you for, for a moment as we close. And let's be honest. We're all a little bit like Hagar, aren't we? We have a tendency to flee our affliction, don't we? We do this in so many different ways. When we experience pain and suffering, it's easy to seek comfort in an idol, isn't it? And I think if we're honest with each other, I think that statement is true. See, we avoid affliction in things like substance abuse. We avoid affliction by doing things like obsessing with our work performance. We avoid affliction by being flat-out workaholics. We avoid affliction by constantly numbing our minds with entertainment. And I don't care if it's going to the movies or you're so fixated on politics that you're watching 24-hour news networks. Whatever it may be, wherever your go-to is, whatever that may be, church, we must remember that there are endless ways to flee from Jesus. However, do you know what we realize today? No matter what, God is graciously paying attention to every detail in your life. He hears all. He sees all. He made good on his promise to Hagar. To this day, Arabs are still the descendants of Ishmael. Church, he will make good on his promise to us. Our eternal salvation is a gift of his grace, just like he graciously gifted his attention to Hagar. Our eternal salvation is a gift of his grace. It's completed in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. He died in our place in order to redeem us from sin. The same Jesus who showed up to Hagar before he was born, before the Virgin Mary, is the same Jesus who showed up in human flesh to die a sinner's death on the cross. Church, this is precisely, this is precisely where he showed up for us on that cross. God has been showing up since the beginning of the Bible. He's showed up in the middle of the Bible, and He will show up again. We have eternal salvation. It's the reason why we can get fired up and get excited about that statement right there. It's the reason why we can say, God hears all affliction. I don't care what I'm going through. I'm experiencing some pain and some suffering in my life, and I know that I want to flee. I know that my natural tendency is to flee and to run and to get out of the way, just like Hagar. But my God sees me. He hears me. God hears all affliction and therefore reacts despite, through the grace of Jesus, to spearhead a better future. That's the message that we go forward with. 
That's the message that we share with others. That's the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ for hell-deserving sinners. That's why we ask this question this morning. What is God revealing to us about his grace given to Hagar? He's revealing to us that he positively responds despite negative situations. Heavenly Father, your grace is a gracious, beautiful gift. Our salvation is contingent upon our faith, and that is a gift. We are so appreciative of this gift. Lord, I pray that you use us to share this good news with others. I pray that we're encouraged as we go through this series of seeing Jesus in the Old Testament and where you showed up, Lord, that we can be encouraged, that we can be convicted of our own sinfulness and be reminded of where we're ultimately heading because of what you did for us upon the cross. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.